This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. I just realised something. So I record at my desk, which is beside my window, which is on a public road. So it's pretty easy to see in, especially in the dark with the lights on. Mm -hmm. And before this, I was a little bit self-conscious because I was like, oh, people are going to be looking at me talking into a microphone like a dick. Whereas now, that's all everybody does to have any social interactions. So now yeah. it's very normal. People are walking by going, look at that. So the social elite. He's got his own <laughs> microphone. He's got headphones. He's got bookcases behind him. He's one of those people that, you know, when you're on a Zoom call and their backdrop is all like books. Like, oh, people have been arranging them by color. It looks really nice. Oh, yeah. It's probably fucking stupid in terms of organization, but it looks really nice. <laughs> I, I would do that as well as a designer. I would, that would be my Of course you well. fucking yeah, would. of course it would. Does my selection of books give you like a graphic designer OCD? Uh, <laughs> I'll give you a little, little, little tremor. <laughs> um, no, but you know what else I saw people doing literally just before we started recording was uh, you can buy on Amazon just flat backdrops, like a, like a, sheet you put up with a design on it that makes it look like behind you you have a library but it's just a printed out big sheet with <laughs> it's just like on one it. of them you pull up at a convention kind of thing yeah it's just a backdrop just a roll a roll out kind of um, um but i thought background. you can do that digitally you can but then you have like the weird feathered edges and right, green screen it's actually like this just... we've we've gone backwards to like yes. having the castle painted behind you in a backdrop of an old 30s movie yeah yeah exactly so there was a, uh, one of Trump's old campaign advisors was giving an interview um, on CNN where she, again, refusing to uh, um, apologize for Trump's remarks or any of the, all, all the shit that's going on in, in America right now. Um, and she was kind of dancing around the subject, but someone uh, put on Twitter like a screenshot of that conversation and then the Amazon listing for the backdrop that Identical. she had, <laughs> where it's just like a bunch of fake books, generic like stock images of books behind her. So that's where we've gotten to. It's the world, 2021. The world. Welcome. Hello, listeners. Welcome to 2021. <laughs> God. We Steve, made it. are we going to talk about what's happening in America? We are. And it's going to be so interesting and our takes are going to be so fucking hot. And like, mm. it's going to be like, oh my God, I didn't think of it that way. I can't wait to repeat that to my friends and be so popular and sound mm -hmm. so intelligent. But mm -hmm. if you want to hear them, you have to sign up to this thing that you just heard before this. Headstuff Plus. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're, we'll we talk are those more. bastards now. <laughs> we are those bastards now. No, this is a good, this is like, look, we'll talk about it more in the mid, we're going to have a little break in the middle where we'll be elaborating on it. But this is a, this is a, a new thing and you kind of, what we call it, like premium Money making version. scheme? Money making scheme, just like rattling a, 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 like a lunchbox full of coins in front of your face loudly until you give us some change. Uh, no, this is just, it's, it's, it's a part of the network that we're on, the Headstuff network that we're launching, Headstuff Plus, where, again, nothing's changing to this feed. You're going to get all the usual episodes that you want and that you listen to and nothing's going to change there. But every, every so two often, weeks, asterisks-ish. Ish. I would say monthly plus. <laughs> uh, we will be putting uh, a special bonus episodes in a in a members only feed. So again, nothing's going to change here. The same podcast you you know and love here for free, but there'll just be some extra bonusy stuff. And we already had this episode on Brexit planned, and all the craziness in America started happening. And we thought, no, let's not change the like, let's not rearrange the wonderful guests we have, and let's not you know 
pivot to react to what's going on in America right now in our main feed. Let's keep on going as we were, but we've just putting our thoughts up on this uh, this other feed. If you do feel like listening, but we'll we'll talk more about that later. But you know you know what doesn't change here, Steve, right here in this feed. What our music and the sexual tension, but mostly the music. <laughs> You're looking great, by the way. So now the content can begin. Excellent. Who are, who are, are you, you guys? guys? Who are these guys, Richie? What the hell is going on? There are other people in our fun room, in the Wadam Studios. It's there are evil counterparts from across the sea. Hi. Do we do, do we just jump in now? What happens? Where you no, we're, we're still slagging you. Hang on. There's a good 20 minutes of this before you guys talk. Okay. Cool. Better get our list. Jesus. list of grievances against Right Dishonorable. Jazza, um, who are you? <laughs> oh, do you actually? Oh, you want us in now? So, yes, please. Yes. Uh, hello, my name is Jazza. I am co-host of the Right Dishonorable podcast, um, where I we make podcasts sometimes weekly, <laughs> bi-weekly at the moment, about British politics from the perspective of someone who voted to leave the European Union, which is uh, Jimmy, because obviously hello. he has hello. the worst opinions. Uh, yes, yeah, that's I'm, him. I'm the person um, with the worst opinions. Yeah, and uh, no, 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 they're not worse. They're just wrong. (laughs) Correct. Thank you, thank you. Uh, We really need to reinforce that binary a little bit. Um, uh, But kind of like the whole point of the podcast is that we are people who voted different ways in one of the defining questions of our generation in the UK, uh, and we don't hate each other. Which wow. is, you I, know, I, I'm oh. feeling a bit ambiguous about the question. <laughs> no, but on, exactly. <laughs> but ambiguous is not hating. So, you know, I could be persuaded. We're, be- we're we'll, better we'll, we'll than most like political debate shows, we think. And marriage is why we have continued making stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Uh, and so, Jimmy, yeah, what I'm, about I'm, you? I, I'm the other half of the Right to Struggle podcast. I don't really I don't feel I have anything to add, add there. I guess I'm sort of the whipping boy in uh, in this particular setup. So yeah, you but can, you won. You have left the European Union. I, I mean, one in a technical <laughs> sense, but in a moral sense, I feel it may have gone the other way. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess we'll see. So we have asked you on because this is One on Politics episode Brexit season part three. End game. Yeah, and that's how it will be written on the episode title. Question mark as well. Question mark. Yeah, we've definitely. I think last year was definitely Brexit Infinity War, and yeah. then um, the thirty first of December was Brexit End Game. Yeah, I, I think that that's that's the correct analogy. Yeah, and you're you're Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah, I fucking am. Where's my, where is my redhead wig? I'm into this. Does this mean you sacrifice yourself for your best friend, me? Aww. Spoilers, Jimmy! Well, I mean, it, when, when we say I was up two years ago now, I think it's, uh, if you haven't seen it already. Yeah. Yeah. You don't uh, need to, no, this, isn't, this isn't the <laughs> Endgame spoiler fancast. Uh, yeah, we want to talk about Brexit. Um, despite the fact that there's other things happening in the world right now, we're like other dumpster fires we're going to look across at this one specific one and gather around the warming glow of this one specific (laughs) fire and ignore all the other fires even -hmm. if the other ones are very big and stinky right now and just focus on this one big and stinky my god um i did i we did in the group chat when we were organizing this i i 
did want to give you guys the out of, hey, you know the coup that's happening in America? Do you want to do you want to do that? Rather than um, focus on our um, humble little island. Nothing's really happening here. It's like totally fine. (laughs) Um, uh, But also, like, this is kind of like the thing and the the thing that we're approaching this from as well. Brexit is not our priority at the moment, (laughs) despite the fact that we're clearly the most affected by Mm. it. Uh, Like there's a pandemic and uh, craziness happening in the United States at the minute. I don't think we even talk about Brexit a huge amount on the podcast very much anymore. Um, we just do general current events. Well, so there's been four over four years of it now, so you know. Yeah, it, I'm quite tired. Yeah, so let's <laughs> let's just start. I guess for all the people who haven't been focusing on Brexit, and for all the people who haven't been following it so closely, can you just give us a quick, speedy rundown of the last four years, as, as concisely as you can? Where to, where to begin? <laughs> I guess I mean I, I guess uh, for people who haven't been following it, it started with David Cameron, who's the uh, was the Conservative uh, Prime Minister, and in order to win an election um, in 2015, sorry, uh, he promised uh, an in-out vote um, on the European question. I guess the conventional theory is that he thought he wouldn't win enough seats, and so he'd have to go into coalition with the Lib Dems, who are a sort of centre-left party in the UK. And in the process of going into coalition, he would he wouldn't have to run the referendum, but uh, that didn't quite work out for him. Uh, yeah, he did too well. He he lost all of the Lib Dems, with whom he was hoping to be able to govern together. Basically, um, uh, uh, he beat all of them uh, because of this Brexit question. A lot of people think, and so that kind of backfired for poor old Dave. Yeah. So this was the and, first domino in a very long series of ever increasing dominoes that ends in a big tower. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, there's a theory that uh, this Labour MP called Mike Joyce, who punched a, um, he punched someone in a pub in uh, Westminster after getting drunk, and then he ended up losing his seat, which ended up to some crisis in the Labour Party around like union involvement or something. And there's a there's a whole like theory going way back. Butterfly so effect. Yeah, the butterfly effect. Have you not heard about that, Jazza? You're looking. A I haven't. Certainly. No, I don't know about this. We don't uh, have time the, to the get the catalyst yeah, being we, we, somebody we, 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 we won't bore the listeners with, with that story. But basically, Fo- David Cameron. Follow Jimmy on on Twitter, and he'll give you a rundown of what happened there. Oh <laughs> no, not anymore. Jimmy has officially quit Twitter. Has he? Have we not? Talk- have. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it hilarious? We organise this co- podcast on Twitter. Yeah, the which shows how well that's is, going is, for is Jimmy. Not going as well as it might be. But uh, essentially, David Cameron he he then held this referendum, thinking he would he would walk it, uh, having previously won the Scottish independence referendum to keep Scotland in the UK and the AV voter reform referendum. Don't you forget? Oh God, can we stop adding addendums to this story? It's getting complex enough as it is. Basically, David Cameron thought that the little plebs would do what they were told and vote to stay in the European Union. I mean, that was that was largely his governing philosophy, in as much as he had one, um, and it, it didn't work out for him. So uh, since then. Uh, you know, most of the politicians who were sort of big and on the scene when the referendum was called have lost their jobs in some fashion or another. Um, so and we've ended so when, up out of the EU. Yeah. When the referendum result came in, it was, of course, perfectly simple and straightforward for what had to happen then. You would just very easily and smoothly leave the European Union quickly and efficiently, right? Mm, Steve, I'm, I'm, yeah, sensing, yeah. I'm sensing sarcasm. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Just confirming. Um, yeah, like it. It turns out um, uh, uh, the British people voting in a referendum to leave the European Union did not actually mean that we left the European Union. There were several steps that led to us actually leaving the European Union. First of all, 
saying that we wanted to officially leave the European Union, um, then having kind of a really long period of uh, uh, extending deadlines with the EU while we negotiated the manner in which we would leave the European Union. Then there was like... Two oh general elections, one point, two prime ministers. Uh, uh, yeah, we had like an election because uh, Theresa May thought that she was more popular than than she was i think she's the real tragic story out of this actually to be completely honest like she was she was the head girl who put herself up for election again and then the whole school went no um uh, so bless her and then uh they pro then boris johnson comes in you know that scarecrow guy who everybody says is kind of like the the trump of the uk i will say um, I think that's aged badly. I'm hoping he doesn't... Well, I mean, he did kind of stage a coup by proroguing Parliament and basically <laughs> stopping Parliament from doing its job. So we were doing coups before it was cool, America. Doing um, coups before it was cool. Yeah, before it was cool. Uh, and then we finally ended up leaving uh, on the 31st of December... Uh, which is a really sensible time to um, leave a customs arrangement with your largest trading partner because everyone's at work then. All definitely right. Um, between that weird Jessa, week between Christmas I'm, and New Year, I'm hinting sarcasm in your voice. <laughs> when, am I wrong? Um, and and we're only like a week into actually kind of like in terms of all of the tariff, the trade uh, and stuff being our new, quote unquote, new relationship with the European Union. Um, we're only about a week into it. And uh, um, shock horror cracks. They have started forming. What was in the deal? So what's different? Like, how is it? Di- so you guys are out of the EU, but you're still linked to it in what ways? What have you kept? What have you lost? Well, there's, a, there's an agreement not to have tariffs in terms of trading in and out of the UK um, or Great Britain, I guess I should kind of say, because the situation in Northern Ireland is a whole other kettle of fish. Um, and there's also no quotas attached to that agreement. So there's a, essentially a, a pretty light free trade agreement in place, um, along with some some other things. But we no, we no longer have access to some things like the kind of uh, security databases that we used to use. Um no longer part of that arrangement. We've opted out of Erasmus, which is the student exchange program, although they say that they're going to put a new one in place called Turing. Um, which I, I'll be honest, that was a piece of red meat that me, as a deep down, I'm a proper nationalist and uh, I, I love that shit. I really liked the idea of having like a Turing um, thing. Um, uh, like, oh, maybe we'll be able to go and study in America for free. It, we won't. But the idea of it seemed quite nice. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no kind of offering around services. So financial services that used to operate via like passporting into the block uh, can no longer do that so easily. I'm a little bit hazier on the details of that, to be honest with you. Uh, so so yeah, all those things considered, all of the, those four years and all the, the, the outcome that you've just been summarizing there, all those things considered, are you happy? You guys- Richie, can I just say, you, you cut... I I know that you're 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 cutting Jimmy off for um uh, uh for editorial sake, but that isn't even scratching the surface of kind of like the things that we no longer have as part of the like the EU. Look, we haven't paid for a premium Zoom account. We have forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't enough premium Zoom accounts in the world to summarize all this stuff. So, as I was saying, all those things considered, Jazza as someone who voted to remain. Jimmy, as someone who took a different approach, are you guys? <laughs> you can say that he voted to leave. Like, it's no, not... I'm, not reinf- I'm not reinforcing it. Okay. Are you guys happy? Oh my god. Um, I think. Well, uh, you know what? I'm I'm happy that it, that this period is finally kind of like over. 
Um, and that, <laughs> I mean, to be completely honest, we were focusing on other things at the moment anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it is correct that we've my uh, my side the remainers romaniacs the people who protested who flew um uh, uh golden blue flags um uh marching on parliament to kind of like protest and um demand a second referendum and stuff we pushed every bloody button that we could try to try and turn this around it didn't work like we ended up with a um uh, a general election that gave Boris Johnson a mandate to do pretty much what he wanted. We lost. Again. <laughs> it's not great on my side of things. Um Jimmy uh, has and someone... so I'm happy I'm happy it's it I'm happy it's over, but um like I, I You wish it I, I, I I don't want to be I I'm not I'm not smug about it. That isn't how I feel. But there is a kind of like an eye rolly part of things where we see news stories now of like haulers having to um not being able to find any um uh, uh any customers or any people that they're able to um hire to um transport their goods because of the um uh, the shoddy deal that was struck. And it's like, well, if only somebody were saying this for the past four years. Plus, you know, um, and so I think there's going to be a lot of that in the next um, during this parliament. Um, but I am glad that it's uh, we'll see like they they got what they wanted. We'll see if they like it. Jimmy, you are they in this context. <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of interesting listening to Jazza like analyze the, uh, the sort of strains of coming out of the EU finally, um, because actually reading the news, it doesn't seem to me as though it's had as catastrophic an impact as was predicted. Um, and I guess you can sort of, you can put a lot of that down to the fact that the coronavirus pandemic has halted business as usual in general anyway. So I think that, so, you know, some of it has kind of come out in the wash as it were. And also um, our, our, our bar of what a catastrophe is, isn't where it was before. <laughs> That's true. I, that I, mean, me, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think there's a, you know, when the pandemic rolled around, all of the screeching around Brexit, whether you were pro or anti, uh, did seem totally out of proportion, I think. But um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I'm, I, as far as I'm concerned, we, with the, the arrangements we have now, we largely got what we asked for, because it, I, I think, to me, the only way, the only sensible way of interpreting the referendum result is that people wanted to quote unquote take back control of their lawmaking abilities and of their independent of the UK's independence as a country um and I I think in in legal terms in sovereignty terms I I know that's a disputed term I think it I think it has largely been achieved um and that the costs you know that were outlined by Remainers correctly around sort of economic friction and trade friction and whatnot are also there as well. So I think if you were paying attention in, in the lead up to the vote, if you actually listened to what people said, the, the cost of the trade-offs were, I think we've largely ended up where you'd expect us to end up, to be honest. So I'm fine with it. So indifference. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it has been a shit show. And as you said, before, before, whenever Trump wasn't doing his thing and before the pandemic rolled around, a lot of the attention of the Western world was focused on what the fuck Britain was doing to itself as it was trying to work itself through this. Um, do you think the reputation of the UK, this is kind of like a two-prong question, internationally, do you think the reputation of the UK has been damaged by this? And then internally, do you think the politics of the UK has been damaged by all the rigmarole and fist punches that have been going on over it? 
I mean, do you, do you really expect us, us to say no to either of those questions? Well, maybe you, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, uh, Jimmy Jimmy just start gets out his Union Jack and starts singing Rule Britannia. No, uh, I mean it, it's gone really well. There have been no diplomatic implications whatsoever or damage. Uh, the, the internal culture of the UK politically is also fine. No one's been upset or killed. Or well, Jimmy, anything. it's those. You're clearly wrong there, Jimmy. <laughs> Thank you for strawmanning yourself there, Jimmy. That's really helpful. Um, uh, I mean, like, obviously, as you say, shit show is the right word. Like diplomatically, it's been pretty bad. Uh, the UK is also, it, I mean, it, it represented a real challenge to actually Britain's uh, political culture and also British institutions more broadly. Like, um, you know, with the Supreme Court getting involved in, in the proroguing question and other things like... It's it's been in, incredibly. It's created a lot of bad blood. Um, I mean, the UK has survived. It's not like crumbled or anything like that. But I, I definitely think it's come out worse for wear, just because of the the process of actually making Brexit a reality rather than just an idea. Yeah, I I, I think that there was kind of there was an illusion of. Uh, Mm, there was like a romanticism around around uh, like Britain in its post-colonial, post-war um, era. There was this idea that it was uh, a country that was kind of like friends with almost everybody and was able to get on with a lot with a lot of people. Has the mother of all parliaments, a great bastion of democracy, defended democracy. <laughs> I'm not sure how true that kind of like illu- the illusion of that. Um, uh, of that brand is, but it worked really, really well because I cried all the way through the 2012 Olympic opening ceremony um, because I, there was kind of like this ideal of um, Britain that we had exported everywhere. And it was really, I think actually it's really well distilled in that three hour or so ceremony. Really well um, distilled in that really long, incredibly expensive over the top production. Yeah. I thought it was really, <laughs> I thought it, I, 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 my pet, I have, Oh no! This is the this is the patriotic nationalist in me coming out again. I I have it on DVD and I will watch it at least once a year. Oh, like so I'll watch I've, the I've, opening so many. I have a genuine question for you, you two. Actually, what as like outsiders looking in on the British Olympics, what did you make of that opening ceremony? I, I liked the work of Danny Boyle in general, but I uh, and the James Bond stuff with the Queen and Mr Bean, all that stuff's kind of cool and flashy. I don't think it was any sort of like you have clearly read into the post-colonial hurrah Britain of the future type thing. It's it was just like a shiny production to me. I don't think it it, it represented anything deeper than than one of my favorite things was foreign journalists um, trying to understand what the fuck we were going on about. Like uh, American journalists confused by the NHS segment. was a really fun kind of like little moment for me around the early the early to 2010s mm. yeah that, like i i think that that vision that i that that glass kind of figurine of what britain's export image was has like what nine years ago has now well and truly been smashed mm. um uh, but i think that we are representative like the brexit question and the country as a whole and how divided we are. We're representative of so many places around the world that are split by 
a an existential question for kind of like a country or for a people and um in that sense we're very du jour we're quite fashionable we will take a break here gentlemen because we are going to cut to an interview that we have with a commentator from northern ireland because jimmy thank you for giving it a shout out but as always with these discussions it gets left out so we will talk to someone from there about how it has affected northern ireland So we're joined now by Sarah Creighton. She is a Belfast-based political commentator, um, has been observing and commenting on the Brexit's situation, fiasco, event, as it's been unfolding over the last four years. Thanks very much for joining us. she hasn't lost her mind. She's like the only correspondent we could find analysing this who hasn't lost her mind yet. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. So first off, Sarah, um, we're going to ask you if you could briefly explain what they have what, what is in this deal and what it means for Northern Ireland? But before you get into that, how would you rate it out of 10 for the people of Northern Ireland? Right. About a two. <laughs> About Whoa. a two. Not great. I mean, it, it has it has some advantages. So, yeah, okay. So it, it means we're aligned with the single market rules and the customs union rules, which is good. But um, it changes the dynamic. I suppose maybe from a much more unionist perspective, it, it changes the dynamic between Northern Ireland and the UK puts a border down the Irish Sea, which at this point in time is not um, having a very good impact on Northern Ireland. Um, it, you know, we're, we're seeing food shortages and still, well, not food shortages, we're seeing a lot of the shelves are empty in Northern Ireland. Now you walk into the shops and some of them are just absolutely bare unless they're coming from local suppliers. There are some advantages. I mean, you know, retaining the, you know, certain EU rights and stuff that, that people in Britain have lost is very good, but overall it's not great. You know, my first choice would have been, um, for the whole UK to stay in the customs market in the single union or the single, yeah, single market, but that's not, that didn't happen. So it's not great, to be honest. I don't think anybody really wanted it. None of the parties in the assembly voted for it. None of them voted for it in parliament. Uh, obviously, I think they would, we would take it over no deal. You know, absolutely would take it over a no deal Brexit. But um, overall, I don't think anybody's particularly happy. But um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I think there's a lot of unknowns um, as to what it's going to do, um, how it's going to, what the impact's going to be in the long term. So, I think it's it's very much wait and see and hope for the best at this stage. Uh, you mentioned there how no one is particularly happy with this. Yeah. Um, could we <laughs> could we maybe drill down into like how are the unionists feeling about it, and then we can move on to talk about how the Republicans are feeling about it and what their specific yeah uh, grievances, I guess, are. I think for unionists, it's the the big one is that that different relationship with Britain you know it's that border down the Irish Sea it, it, it's as it's as meaningful to them as a hard border would be to nationalists and republicans in Northern Ireland um so for them you know it it, it could have a very it, well potentially could have a very damaging impact on Northern Ireland's economy so and obviously for people who want Northern Ireland to continue to exist and be viable you know that is a worry that it could have that impact so um for that in general terms, that's that's where a lot of unionists are. I think more than, you know, when you dig down deeper into that, you'll get the for Remain unionists. It's not great because they're out of the EU. For Brexit voting unionists, of course, majority of unionists did vote for Brexit, though I didn't. Um, but they, this isn't the Brexit that they wanted. You know, my dad voted leave, my brother voted leave. This isn't what they wanted. And I mean, you can argue whether that was, this was a logical consequence of what they wanted. But, you know, nobody, they're just, nobody's very happy. Um so for Republicans and nationalists, you know, I don't think they're particularly pleased with the Northern Ireland Protocol. You know, no Republican or nationalist wanted an internal sea border within the UK. None of them <laughs> advocated for that in the end. You know, um, I think it's it's better than a no-deal Brexit. I think there will be a lot of comfort that there's no hard border. Um, but I think for them, it's um, 
they're not entirely happy either, but I think they have much more positive attitude in terms in terms of the protocol. Let's try to make it work. Let's see how it, how it works in the long term. Um, I think for Republicans and nationalists that want a united Ireland, I think it has proven proven Brexit in general has proven to be quite a a boon for them um, and has given them quite a good um, platform to advocate for that. So I, I think in terms from that perspective, I think it's been a good thing, but I don't think they're as particularly happy with empty shelves and um, internal customs borders as anybody else. Jerry Adams loves his Toblerones like everybody else. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> so do you think the unionists feel betrayed by London? Are they let down? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, they... Should they be surprised? We all saw it coming, didn't we? We, we all knew it was coming. I mean, the DUP in particular feel very, very betrayed. So, I mean, they, um, you know, lumped themselves in with the with the hard Brexiteers, with, uh, you know, with the RG, the Tories, and, you know, were promised the world. And, you know, they held the balance of power and really did think that they were going to drive the ship of Brexit and we're going to have all this power and it was going to be great for Northern Ireland and we would we would be we would have such a central role in this and for their loyalty and for their their help in bringing down Theresa May they have been granted the sea border basically so they feel incredibly betrayed um and I mean outside of the DUP just I mean the ordinary unionist and loyalists will just feel betrayed it's, it's just, you know they've all it's just a, another portrayal in the long history of betrayals really um and I don't think I don't I think there's there's a few you can maybe say or naive, were naive, but I think a lot of people saw it coming. Everybody knew that Boris Johnson was not a man to be trusted. So I, I think they really do feel angry about it. And this is where we've ended up. And this is, I think this is not what they wanted. How do you think this is going to affect the future of Northern Ireland in the UK, like practically? There's certainly a different dynamic now between Northern Ireland and Britain. I think we've always been, we're, we're always very separate in the minds of people in Britain. You know, we're, we're not really taking it into consideration. I think this will just add to it. Because um, we're going to be just separate from that, um, but uh, you know, I think and really does depend. I mean, I don't think United Ireland is inevitable. It's, it's a very complicated issue, and people have very complicated feelings about it. And, and you know, just because Brexit is bad does not mean that everybody's going to jump ship now. You know, apart, not wanting United Ireland is part of the reason why I voted Remain, so it doesn't therefore follow that I'm now going to vote for United Ireland. You know, and I think a lot of people are the same. Um, you will get people who are willing to talk about it and willing to think about it. And I think that's the difference. I think it's made, you know, I have a friend of mine who probably would have been quite comfortably pro-union, even though she's from a nationalist background, um, who described it as being like a jolt, you know, when you fall in your sleep and suddenly she went, oh, you know, I've never really thought about this and what type of country I want to live in. And I think I think that's, people are thinking, I think that's the, pro, that's the, the difference now. So, but what will happen in the future, it is so unknown because we just we just don't know what factors are going to come into it. I mean, the protocol could be really economically beneficial for Northern Ireland in the long run. And maybe, you know, we we will get that both best of both worlds that, that other countries really want. In which case, you know, unionists would be, it would be a good uh, idea for unionists to say, well, then why bother voting for United Ireland? Because we've already got this. You know, you don't need to go back to the South to rejoin the EU. So, you know, my personal hope is that, is that the unionists will adopt a wait and see approach <laughs> but we will have to see what they plan to do some of them are, are want to go pell-mell already and bring down the assembly and all this other ridiculous stuff mm. 
Well, we'll see how Jerry Adams' Toblerone situation plays out before we make any any decisions at all. Oh God, I know whether there was the Percy Pigs the other day. They were reporting the Percy Pigs were no longer coming into Northern Ireland. And I, I, I went to my partner and said, I was like, we will not stand for this. I mean, <laughs> this far and no further. <laughs> we will not That's... stand for this. My bloodline is an Ulster woman. I will not have it. I wonder um, if the fact that um, Stormont is up on such a high hill saves it from being stormed so often because it's like you know you'd be tired by the time you get up to the top you're just not. It arsed. could it could be you know we're 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 comfortable people you know it's like we're gonna get a taxi to the top. Take away the Percy pigs and there's no co- sort of comfort there. It's just anarchy. I just anarchy. Yeah. You know, it just I mean it was it was just I was like can't be having this. But it, it is crazy like the fact like if you go and do Marxies and Tesco there's all. The shelves are empty and you can't get certain stuff. But that's I mean, weird. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, put in perspective. I mean, it's not really you know somebody like yeah, me sure. that's going to suffer. You know, it's going to be you know, it's, it's families in Northern Ireland who are already in food poverty and stuff like that. That's they're really going to be badly affected by it, you know. So I mean, I'll be fine. But if it, just because I yeah. can't get something from Marxy, so it, it's that impact. I think that, that that worries everyone. And um, there's mitigations in place for a couple of months, so this isn't even the full border yet. So by the time those mitigations. Uh, disappear it could get worse so that's what worries me but the, the hope hope i hope that the eu and the uk through the joint committee somehow work out you know mitigations and make it better make it work it's probably going to take a while for it to bed in and my hope is that by the time the assembly comes to vote for it in four years time and that's that's the next big brexit battle is this assembly vote is that we will have a much clearer picture about where we are with the protocol and the, you know hopefully you know the, the assembly it's a difficult position because if, if they vote to get rid of it then we're stuck with a hard border and nobody wants that. So my hope is that at this stage we'll be comfortable with it and that we can just devote to affirm it and hopefully that'll just be it going forward. But we don't, we just don't know. We just don't know what's going to happen. Thanks very much for taking the time to join us. No worries. No worries. So part of like the main reason we got you on is because, you know, we wanted to highlight this part of the Brexit story that doesn't really get enough attention. Mm. If people want to learn more, aside from, again, following yourself on Twitter, there'll be links to that in the show notes. Where should people look if they want to learn more about this? Katie Hayward is excellent. You know, she's the she is the expert on the protocol and she's very fair. She's very clear. You know, she doesn't really come with an agenda. If you're looking for different perspectives, obviously, you know, you would, you know, Alex Kane is very good for the unionist perspective. Andre Murphy's very good for nationalist perspectives. Chris Donnelly from nationalist perspectives, you know. So yeah, that's who I would yeah. I that's who I go to. <laughs> There'll be links to those accounts in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. No, they're good. No, they're the people I rely on because um my God, I can't explain what a border control post is. You know, I have to go, <laughs> go talk to them. But yeah. Mm. Anyway, but thanks for asking me to do this. No problem. Thanks for coming. Oh, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Welcome to the mid-roll. <laughs> We've never done this. We've d- we have a mid-roll now. We've taken a break. Um, mm-hmm. This is not the same conversation that you were just listening to the same two people have with two other yeah. guys beforehand. This is a new little side chat. We're like taking you aside. We're like, hey, buddy. Yeah. Come on, come, uh, come, come have a side chat with us. You're walking down the, the high street and we're here in an alley and we're going, Psst, yeah. hey, hey, kid. I here. thought you were going to go with like the chuggers, you know, the charity muggers who were like, hey, sign up to this. Oh, that would be much more relevant, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> because As opposed to like a child snatcher. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. <laughs> when I said, hey, kid, I didn't mean like a child snatcher. Uh, oh, God, this is a really bad pitch to, to give us money, isn't so it? So <laughs> give us money. <laughs> we want to buy a van. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, those we'll nondescript vans, the, uh, don't, the, they don't give them out for free. No, <laughs> as we alluded to at the start of the episode, we are, uh, our network head stuff is launching a kind of members, a member, exclusive members feed. It's basically, if you're familiar with Patreon or any of those kind of 
you know, um, crowd-funded tools. Uh, we've been using Kofi, Kofi in the past, but now we're kind of pivoting to more of this, something that caters more to like actually creating stuff that you could listen to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something that you actually get bang for your book instead of just giving us book and we don't give you any bang. Now we're going to it give is, you bang. <laughs> we are going to give you bang. We appreciate you listening to the show. And if we think that because you're here and you listen regularly, you like it, you enjoy mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So we are giving you the opportunity to get even more audio content into your ear holes. Yeah. Like we said at the start, we're not, we're not taking away anything from the feed. There's not going to be less episodes in the feed here. That's going to continue on as normal. There's just going to be other like more novel stuff, weirder stuff like currently in the feed right now. If you were to sign up for Headstuff Plus, um, you get access to bonus episode that we recorded on uh, fictional characters that we think would make the best leaders, the best world leaders. Yep. And also there's going to be an episode there on the craziness that's happening right now over in the States. Yeah, we will probably use it as a place to put in hot takes or tepid mm. takes as they are more likely tepid to be. Thoughts. Yeah, like reactions uh, to the news, whereas we're going to probably keep the mainstream with these explainer things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, yeah, it'll be a combination of what's going on, what we think of it, and hey, look at this cool idea we have to do about Optimus Prime as T-Shark. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> And yeah, and so yeah, there'll be weird stuff. There'll be like we're just going to throw a bunch of spaghetti on, see what see what sticks. Um, and yeah, like what you know. It, to be honest, like when you listen to this podcast, you probably think that Steve and I record in a big giant ivory tower on the most luxurious golden microphones, and we have fleets and legions of people who work for us, all beautiful men and women. And I get that, but because <laughs> I take all the money. But we need more money so Richie can have the same. So I can have my own ivory tower that sits yeah. next to you. Dueling cur- ivory towers. Currently, I record from an old abandoned KFC. Uh, I record <laughs> on an old Nokia 3310. Uh, my, in terms of clothes, like Steve wears a nice suit to podcast work every day. I wear old kind of denim dungarees with like an ass flap, but I can only afford one button. So half my ass is kind of sticking out. Um, and I'll Stop, keep all Richie. My- you're going to, you're going to, they're not going to give us money. They're going to want that. <laughs> that want... stuff's on my own that's on my only fans um, <laughs> but no uh, yeah so the, like we we invest a lot of time and effort into making these podcasts and and money ourselves and we pay for occasionally we, we might run ads and occasionally you know we we ask for or, or you know we do ask for co-fi and stuff but the reality is it's not a huge amount so this is just like a way of trying to keep the podcast sustainable and you know make sure that we can keep devoting time and effort to it and keep bringing keep bringing the podcast that we've been bringing for four years so and in exchange you get loads of stuff and in exchange you, you get you get some some bonus stuff that isn't available elsewhere and also like it, it could be an ex- a way of by you supporting headstuff plus you get access to all the other headstuff po- bonus podcasts and you might even find more interesting stuff there as well that not more interesting <laughs> some better stuff than ours now you might find other podcasts that you haven't listened to before it's like the great thing about head stuff is it's 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 not some big, huge conglomerate. It's not some big Spotify network. It's a small Irish owned, Irish operated uh, initiative that looks after and supports so many great Irish podcasting artists, us included. And this is a chance to support like a grassroots operation and support us. Just so give us the fucking money. Just give us the fucking money. I'm so sick of being articulate. My bum is getting cold. <laughs> this has been going overalls. on way too long. Just give us the fucking money so Richie give- can get some new clothes. Yeah, uh, there'll be links in the show notes um, to where you can you can go and sign up. You get access to an exclusive feed where where our podcast will be in amongst all the other heads of bonus podcasts. So just have a scroll there and you'll you'll find all of our stuff. And that's it. 
Shall we go back to chatting to the lads? We're back, lads. Um, I want to quickly talk about the politics. Well, how was the conversation with the with the Northern Irish guy? How did that go? Uh, girl, you can listen uh, to it after. We woman. really don't have time. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> there's a woman, <laughs> you gender normative uh, asshole. Um, yeah, sorry. We probably only have time for that. two questions, that. lads. So <laughs> we'll do That's it. totally fine. Richie, will it. you ask the second last one and then we'll finish on the last one? Okay, yeah. So so we spent a lot of time like, like you know, luxuriating in the, in the past of what's been. But looking forward a little bit, what would you like to be seen done next in terms of priorities for the UK now that you have, quote unquote, you know, dropped the sh- these shackles, as it were, even though they're very nice shackles, <laughs> I would say they're, they're, they've got a lot of panache, fashionable shackles. They're blue, a lot of things. they've got these little gold stars, they're lovely. I, I hate you both. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, well, Jimmy and I kind of did a roundup of 2020 and we had a, a, a section where we... Uh, talked about our hopes for the future and I did kind of take the mickey out of Jimmy a little bit by saying that Keir Starmer was his hope for the future (laughs) Um, but there are kind of like some things in general terms I'd say that specifically in relation to the podcast we did (laughs) yeah 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 exactly (laughs) he just really just really likes Keir Starmer Um, I mean this from a guy who just waxed lyrical about the fucking Olympic opening ceremony yeah yeah it's fair come on (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, there's a there's currently in in response to like the the scottish the scottish question i hate it when we called stuff like that um uh but it's uh they're they're doing kind of like a a look into more federalization of the united kingdom uh and i guess the conservative party who obviously are going to be in power for the next for the foreseeable for the next four or five years um uh they would call it, I guess their brand of that is like the levelling up agenda. And I think the general trend is uh, decentralising British power and prosperity outside of the southeast, which, to be fair, people have been talking about for decades uh, and it has yet to really happen. Um, But if they take federalisation of England specifically more seriously, because we've seen Scotland take... Um, devolved powers and really run with it um, I'd be I really want to see that and I know that Jimmy and I have talked about this a lot as well um, I'd really like to see more devolved powers to the to the the home nation to the nations and also to but more specifically to the English regions because the English regions we all get clumped in it's 50 million people and that's uh, that's ridiculous yeah I think I'd, I'd largely agree with what Jazza said regarding devolution Um I think in kind of a wider sense, like, um, and I, I know this is almost cliche at this point, but I, I, I don't want us to not have a good relationship with our European neighbours. Um, and I, I do think it is appropriate to, to collaborate on certain <laughs> things. But for, I mean, for me, the argument was about like, uh, it was about lawmaking and, you know, what institutions actually govern your country and which don't. And so I, I, I still think the UK, I mean, kind of, my view of like how the UK should proceed in terms of the international stage is largely as it was doing before, but outside of the EU rather than in the EU. So I still think it should be a champion for things like democracy, human rights. I still think it should be a a, re, a reasonable size security player in terms of defence and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that, that's as far as the international agenda goes, that that's probably what I would look for. And I, I do agree with Jazz that devolution is needed. But to be honest with you, with the Tories looking quite good right now, I don't actually think that will happen anytime soon. Um, I, 
I think Jimmy and I have really reinforced our brand as kind of like the centrist dads because I uh, like we we are not momentum like as an mm. example we are uh, uh, we fall slap bang in the middle of everything because I've um, talked about my nationalism and Jimmy is happiest being a player on like <laughs> the international stage of the military like, so uh, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> I'm having I'm having adverse reactions to some of this stuff <laughs> you are yeah. Huh? <laughs> Tell us, Richie. <laughs> yeah, the idea of I don't like the, the, the okay the military defense angle for one, and I think I'm just a little bit sore on that based on the the spending that the UK government put into that most recently in the light of a pandemic. I thought it was kind of abhorrent, so I wouldn't uh, go you, championing so that. So you disagreed with them committing more money to the UK military in the context much, of a pandemic? Yeah, as much as they did, like when they when you know the how bad things are currently economically, you know, and then spending that much money on defense when you know they were talking about rolling back furlough schemes and putting pay freezes on public sector workers, but investing that heavily in defense right now. For context of the listeners, actually, Richie has a stake in this game. He is a taxpayer in the UK, so he's not just an angry yeah, Irishman exactly. giving out about them. They're his. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're yeah. his pounds that are being spent. Mm, and you yeah. get you 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 have full voting rights. You can vote vote all the way up to to Westminster, right? Yeah, Richie? and I, ha- and I a, have in the past. Yeah. yeah. If you mm-hmm. if an Irish person moves moves into anywhere in the UK, they get immediate full voting rights. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know this. Can we do the same thing no. in the opposite direction? No. no. Well, that's rude. You get- <laughs> I un- I understand the historical context and why, but you know what? Eye for an eye, guys. Come on. Oh yeah, it's an eye for an eye, and just wait for the rest of them. Um, <laughs> You guys touched what on it. What are your it. feelings on the Steve? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't really think the UK gets to. I mean, it is there. Was, those are nice things that Jimmy was talking about in the international arena. It would be nice if the UK gets to put itself forward as all these things. I don't think it's going to be able to for quite a long time. It's done itself way too much mm. damage, and um, we've paid too much attention to how their democracy has worked in terms of being able to brag about it to other countries after this. I think if anything, it has given the authoritarians more ammo to point at how hard democracies are and maybe you should take alternate routes for them. Um, And it's going to be hard to see the UK turn that around and go, oh no, but we've had it for so long, so you should listen to us now. Um, In terms of the international spending and security and and things, yeah, well, I personally don't see the point of Britain having nuclear weapons and having a massive army and swinging itself around the world. I don't think that necessarily is, should be a priority for a country of its size. Mm. But... Yeah, I, I, mean, I also I, I, don't really care enough to have a firm opinion about. it. I do have sympathy with that view, and I don't necessarily. I mean, I don't necessarily think it makes sense purely from a strategic point of view for the Britain to commit so much of its uh, defence budget to nuclear weapons. Um, not that I'm opposed to nuclear weapons per se, just that I, I think that's kind of a valid point. I just think that there's a, that we don't want to barrel into like a full blown conversation about NATO posturing and that sort of thing. But I, I think that one of the things that the UK actually is reasonably good at is it does have. <laughs> you know, quite a good defence um, force. Um, and I, I think it does have something to contribute there in terms of the international agenda. And it, that will require collaboration and with with EU partners and, and whatnot. And I think the evidence is that America, even post-Trump, is going to be less interested in spending lots of money in the European theatre, especially when it's got other things to worry about. So that's, that's the only context in which I meant I don't think me and you would disagree so much about yeah. it as I know it what you mean. Yeah. You weren't talking about expeditions and going around the world and stuff. You were just talking about I, I mean, I, I think yourself. the evidence of the last couple of decades is that we're not very good at those kind of things. And yet so people still want to stop. do it. Well, you know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure the people who decide care. Mm-hmm. Um, 
off the back of the last couple of decades when it comes to Britain overreaching itself militarily, internationally. Mm. But yeah. Another thing you mentioned there, Jimmy, about um, having UK being kind of like a bastion of democracy and a good example of democracy. Do you feel like that's still, like it's still as a brand, that's still the case after all of the, the past four years? I mean, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't really buy the idea that, I mean, Jazz was talking about rep, our reputation being excellent abroad in the 2012 Olympics, sorry to keep returning to it, but I think a lot of countries had it a was pretty... It was peak UK, had Team a pretty, GB. ...had a pretty <laughs> negative view of the UK. I mean, if you, if you go ask an Indian person what they think of the UK, I don't think they're going to think of, you know, cuddly NHS and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, that I, I think I think people like you, no offense, Jazz, were kidding themselves about the UK's brand going into all of this. But Jimmy, um, you 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 said it should be a priority. So a, a genuine question: yeah. like What do you think the UK can contribute to the, those international discussions? Like, it it did. You're, you have a right. You're right to point out that historically they left a lot of turds when they left their big yeah, uh, yeah, empire. Yeah, yeah. But then also now they don't have a good system to show off. I mean, you guys nearly ripped yourselves apart trying to do leave the EU. Can yeah, I can I, I can I jump in here on kind of like actually? Uh, I don't. This is this is kind of like a a, a half baked conclusion to Brexit, but it is it's it's a relatively positive one for some from someone who wanted more than anything in the world to remain part of the European Union. Um, we we had a vote. And the people, by popular vote, voted a certain way in a referendum. We were given a question and we answered it. Uh, the process was um, imperfect. Politicians lied um, uh, and people were misinformed. But the people were asked a question and they voted a certain way. We then pulled ourselves apart this way and that for years, agonising about what this was going to look like, how we were going to do it, etc. And then... We had kind of like the big question, which was the 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 like the reaffirming of whether or not we're going to do this, which was the election last year, um, in December last year, and we gave an answer again, and it was we'll give it in the put it in the hands of Boris Johnson. Do I agree with us putting it in the hands of Boris Johnson and reaffirming Brexit and the Brexit that he and his team wanted? No, of course I don't. But we went through this democratic process. And it was really uh, difficult and uh, div- divisive, but we ended up coming through the end of it when everybody said that we were fucking mad to do it. And actually, I think part of part of democracy is you being able to vote however that you want, whether it's against your interests and people saying, telling politicians do a thing and then us doing it. And it should. And I've we, Jimmy and I have talked about this a, a lot. Um, when he's been frustrated with the processes and and my side of the argument being um, frustrating the the Brexit process, leaving our our closest uh, political and uh, tri- and um, commercial ally should be really difficult. It should be something that is like a big debate. But we ended up affirming twice at least three times. You could probably argue with Theresa May's election as well that this is the direction be it divisive, this was the direction that the country of the United Kingdom wanted to go in. I'd, and so I we did it. I'd, yeah, but I don't think the 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 criteria for a democracy to be lauded shouldn't just be the idea that, oh, we voted one way and we followed through on it. Like that for me is the bare minimum. 
of like what a democracy should do. I <laughs> yeah, think the but, devil but is a in the detail. People, a lot of people on my side would uh, not want that. They were wrong too. Would want that. Would want that democratic right of the people to be overruled. I was having legitimate conversations with people where people would around a dinner table. Remember when we had dinner tables and we had people around. Um, <laughs> where somebody was like, do you think the people should be allowed to vote against their own interest? And I'm like, obviously. But yeah, because but I'll, I'll, you yeah, disagree but, with this big question, uh, yeah. you think that that is something that's on the table. And you know what? At least we follow true with it. All of this to the point of it not actually being as great a democracy as I, I think as, as you know, it's being lauded as like the fact that these discussions are rampant and the fact that you know, there was as much misinformation and you were saying about, you know, having that ele- that referendum to begin with, but the genesis of that referendum was so, you know, sus- suspect Cynical. and not ideal. Mm. Yeah, that, that like, all of these things to me are hallmarks of something that shouldn't be lauded and shouldn't be held up and should, like, are just indications of how much the brand, quote unquote, has been damaged, that you can, it's, it's I think, I'm more of- dire, I guess, than maybe portraying i'd be of like a from an outsider i'd be of two minds i understand what you're t- saying jazza it is true it, it it was in it in its it was pure democracy in that sense but the actual politics of how the democracy had to go through to get there was so damaging that i think it's very difficult to try and laud it as a as a positive process for democracy i mm. think there was just so much damage and so much bad blood and bad politics involved that it's so much mm. easier to go Look what happens when you do something democratically. Like, I mean, this is, I am not an anti-democrat. I am a democratic person. I believe firmly in democracy. But if you don't, it's going to be very easy to pick up Brexit in the UK and Mm. use it as an example for why that's not a good idea. So that's, this is all just, this is all a big side conversation spinning off Jimmy mentioning mm -hmm. half as like probably not even like that firmly, but like, oh yeah, we should be involved in helping democracy. Of course, all democratic countries should help spread democracy, but it just, it seems Mm. like it's going to be a hard pill to try and sell Mm. for the UK at the moment. I I will say, Steve, Steve, I, I agree, I agree with you. But I think that one one of the things that has been that really was spotlighted for this process for the UK was the fact that our democratic institutions are not really fit for purpose um, because we've never had kind of like a big independence moment or like a uh, yeah. a civil war where we've been able to build something from scratch again. You had a few uh, of them. Well, no, it, well, it, <laughs> it, well, yeah, but what really happened, to be honest, Oliver Cromwell, calm down. Um, never tell an Irish person like, to calm down. Like, yeah, what are you? You just said Oliver Cromwell and then said, calm down to two Irishmen. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, even in, it's in the Irish Disney. We're still slagging you off about Cromwell. The Wolfwalkers, the new movie on Apple Plus is still jabbing the Brits about Cromwell. We will yeah, never yeah, forget. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, because uh, like there are um, uh, there is there are a lot of problems with the way that we do democracy in this country, and I would like them to be fixed, which is part of kind of like the federal conversation that we were having. Um, uh, but yeah, I, Jimmy, continue. I think I just I did, <laughs> sorry I just for a second there, to paint over like the fact. Oh, we haven't had any civil wars really. I think that's almost part of the problem. This idea of like whitewashing certain parts and just pick picking and choosing parts to focus on. Yeah, yeah Jazz, that was some really I, dumb no, shit no, no, you but, just but, said. But what, right. Like I, I agree with you. But what I what I mean is we haven't yeah. had kind of like this big upheaval that has been sustained and then kind of like press the reset button. We haven't had a chance to press the reset button on the institutions and the organ and the way that the country works politically. It's probably interesting comparisons to make to how fucked up American democracy is as well. They're working on like pre-Victorian institutions too. 
God knows what area you want to associate your institutions with, but they've been around for a very long time. I mean, long- Magna Carta, yeah. literally. <laughs> yeah. They've been around for a very long time. And whereas a lot of other modern democracies got to do resets at certain points, be it independence for people like Ireland or post-World War II for other places, or even like post-Soviet Union for places in Eastern Europe. That's a good point. Um, but we don't want to let you guys off the hook. We want to finish on a question that's a load of fun. Scotland has been mentioned. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh great you're going to ask two English fellows about Scotland do you not associate really yourself good. with Scotland in some way Jezza yeah you're a bit Scottish aren't you yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a bit Scottish but <laughs> ask any Scottish person and they will laugh at you at that assumption right fair enough I have a muck in my name that's about it <laughs> um, is that going to be the next all consuming issue for the United Kingdom are the Scots going to kick up and suck all the political oxygen into that fight or do you think UK, the, the London politicians are going to have, be sex, sex, successful enough to tell them to sit down and be quiet. Hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, I, the Tories have already said, you know, even if Scotland, even if, sorry, even if the SNP win the Scottish elections uh, in May um, on a platform of having another independence referendum, the Tories have said, we're not going to give you one. And I think I think there is a plausible argument in saying you had one seven years ago. Uh, this was supposed to be quote unquote once in a generation. Seven years is not a generation. Uh, the the SNP will answer, I think, with you know equally plausibly. Um, Brexit has happened. The material facts about being in the UK have changed enormously, and therefore it is appropriate that we have another referendum. Um, I mean, legally speaking, I think you know Westminster can kind of say no indefinitely, but politically speaking, I don't know if that's true. Um, I think, I don't really want to say, I don't really want want to make a prediction. I think that it kind of hangs in the balance at the moment. It it could very well be, or I mean, having said, I'm not going to make a prediction. I think the likelihood is it'll end up in a Catalonia type situation where you have two rival power centers, like pushing and pulling and no real answer to it. Exactly. Spain never talk about that. It's never a big issue for them. Jazza. Exactly. Um, well, I don't, I I don't think it's going to be a Johnson has said that he is not going to um, uh, uh, give them a ref- the choice of the, the chance of a referendum, um, uh, even if the SNP get a majority in the local in the Scotland elections in the Hollywood elections uh, this year. And Sturgeon, the the first minister of Scotland, has said that she will not attempt to have an a quote-unquote illegal um, uh, uh, referendum in the style that Catalonia had in um, uh, in Spain. And so, I mean, I mean, in theory, that just means like, well, that's that then. Like, like it, <laughs> it, <laughs> that settles that. Sorted, no worries. Um, were I... Uh, were were I in Scotland, I completely see the legitimacy of there has been a like we've voted for Brexit. Coronavirus has thrown everything up in the air. Um, the relationship between Scotland and the rest of the United Kingdom has, I feel like it has objectively changed. Um, like of course we should be able to decide our future. Another factor is Northern Ireland got their side deal, but Scotland was yeah yeah like, right like there should like like I I understand that and I. I I I will always argue on the side of more democracy rather than less. Um I do have quite fond memories of 2014. I was up in Scotland quite a lot in 2014 and remember having really impassioned but really respectful discussions. Um uh like it 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 obviously split the country not quite 50-50 but but pretty much down the the middle when it came to independence. But I remember that being 
such a a a great moment to be like into politics and to have those like I would literally go to clubs and how and end up having a debate with um someone about Scottish independence in the middle of a fucking dance floor like it was <laughs> topless spinning uh, shit <laughs> literally literally Richie I was in I was I remember being in a, a in a gay club in Edinburgh um and. I was topless and I was having a debate yeah. about um, uh, uh, who would own Scotland's oil in the <laughs> vote. In this. Like, it was my dream. It was beautiful. Um, uh, and I think we only uh, we only really associate uh, this kind of, like, really toxicity in post-2016 world. I think Brexit was a, was a much more divisive, a much more toxic, not maybe not uh, uh, more divisive, but uh, more toxic, um uh debate compared to Scotland in 2014 uh, I have no doubt that that will probably change if we do end up having that conversation um but I think that the Scottish I think that people should be able to decide who governs them and if Scotland decides that it no longer wants to be part of the UK my heart will break um and I I don't know I'll probably move to Glasgow uh, Glasgow's a great know, town. Cool. who knows Go back to that yeah. club. Go back, find that club. Find that person you had the debate with. Just have one yeah. last hurrah. Which was <laughs> he? So brilliant. he was he was an indie guy, was he? He was independent. Yeah, he he was Indian. I was uh, unionist. Oh, it was brilliant. We didn't make out. Oh. Uh, oh, I that might like have we fixed everything. To, that could have. Oh uh, yeah, been you know. Um, I feel like we were going to until we started having the conversation, <laughs> and then <laughs> that might happen for you a lot, Jazz. I suspect you're like just right, about yeah. to score, and then you go, "Oh, but what about this policy point?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my ideal relationship, Steve. <laughs> well, as soon as you're, as soon as the next time, like at some point in your future, you're going to be topless in the club in a similar situation, and you're going to get into a debate. But you know what? It's going to be passionate. And it's going to be heated, and mm-hmm. we should probably stop before I get this Richie, gets too you're flirting with me again. I thought I thought this relationship didn't end up working oh, out. Oh, we nearly managed the whole episode without you guys yeah. getting sexual chemistry. No, well, that's it. It's usually, it's what happens because I think the start of our this relationship, quote unquote, was um, us talking about you, us getting married, so you could get a, a an EU passport. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I've been I mean, dangling I'm still, that. I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm still open. Yeah, I'm still open. Well, let's see how the numbers do on this particular episode. And it seems like there's a future and kind of like, you know, monetarily, if I can benefit. Hey, maybe we could live stream the wedding. It'll be uh, get people to do pay-per-view. It'll be great. Yeah. That's the only way we're going to be able to go anyway. So you guys are going to have to get married (laughs) remotely in the first place. I think we can make it work. Weirder things have happened. Yeah. Thanks very much, guys. That was great. Uh, (laughs) Likewise. (laughs) Sorry, you got a bit sexy at the end there, but you know, <laughs> don't don't ever apologise, Richie. I mean, you, you said before we started that Brexit is very sexy, so you've fulfilled your own promise. It's true, we did. That's how we got you to agree to come on. We were all with all the sexy Brexit talk. Um, we can the sexit talk. No, no, no sorry. stop it. Ooh, no, stop. <laughs> um, thanks very much, guys, for joining. Um, if you want to hear more from these two fine gentlemen, you can find them at their podcast. The link will be in the show notes, as well as links to their Twitter accounts. Whether or not Jimmy's will be active at the time is up to how compelling the app is on his phone, I guess. Um, thanks very much. 
He is, he is, he still tweets. I just, like, he thinks he's quit Twitter, but he tweets with alarming regularity, <laughs> and seems, I think sometimes more than me. I mean, I, 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 by I definition, don't, you haven't quit Twitter, Jimmy. <laughs> I, I, I don't he's really waiting for a ban. Which, he wants to get banned. Which, which has done like wonders for my mental There's health. only two things that Jimmy does on Twitter anymore. One is uh, tweet out his own articles that he's written, and two is troll me. Um, uh, which, to be fair, is pretty good output. I decided to pair it back to the core activities, basically. <laughs> you got to focus on what you're good at. That's, that's what the tool was built for. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.